Can you remember a time in your life where somebody promised you something really big and you were really, really looking forward to it? I, I don't know if it was maybe something that you were expecting for Christmas or uh, a new outfit as the school year begins or, or um, maybe a promotion on your job or, or whatever it is that, that it may have been. But, but have you been in that place where someone has come to you and promised you something and did not keep their word? Has that, ever, has that ever happened to you? And, and maybe some of you are like, yeah, it's happened to me, but I've also been in the place where I've promised something to someone. I promised something big to someone, and in that, I didn't keep my word. And whenever there are promises given that are not actually um, followed up with, it brings hurt, it brings pain, it brings disappointment. And the truth is, in our world that we live in, we're, the world is full of broken promises, but the good news this morning is, brothers and sisters, that God makes promises to his people and God is faithful in keeping the promises that he makes. That, that, that's what the text that we're going to talk about this morning is all about. If you have your Bible, if you'll turn to Psalm 89, verses 1 through 4, it'll come up on the screen if you don't have your Bible, but Psalm 89, 1 through 4, and it says... I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. I would encourage you in your own private time with God to read the, the entirety of this psalm, which is, is 52 verses. But this is a psalm that is being written, and it's what some would call a royal psalm. A royal psalm is a psalm that, that focuses on Israel's king. Israel, as you keep reading the psalm, you'll notice that Israel is in the midst of some kind of hardship. I, we don't know exactly what it is. It could be when they were taken into captivity by Babylon. We don't, we don't know for sure, but there is some kind of hardship that they're going through. And the psalmist begins this psalm uh, in, in the first 37 verses, particularly even in the first four verses, proclaiming that God is faithful to his people. And really, that's what's important to us this morning. If you're here and you are a Christian, I know that times get hard. I know that life is hard. I know there are times where you wonder, where is God in the midst of whatever it is that you're facing? But I want you to know that God is faithful. And my hope this morning is that through this text, your emotions and your heart will be stirred to actually see afresh and anew, no matter what your situation is, God's faithfulness towards you. And if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, uh, my, I want to let you know you're at, the, at a great place today uh, to be here with God's people. And my hope for you is that you see that all of the things that you've been trusting in to be faithful have failed. And, on, and God is your only hope of knowing true faithfulness. And so as we walk through these four verses, talk about God's faithfulness, there are three things that I, that I want us to, uh, to see. Number one, I want us to see uh, the response to God's faithfulness. Number two, the reason for God's faithfulness. 
And number three, the reward of God's faithfulness. So we'll start with the first one, the response to God's faithfulness. Notice in the text, the psalmist begins in verse one. He says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. The psalmist is writing and he begins by talking about God's steadfast love. And in, in, in another translation of the Bible, which is a faithful translation, the Christian standard Bible translates steadfast love as faithful love. And so what the psalmist is saying is that God is steadfast. God is faithful in his love towards his people. When you think of words like steadfast and faithful, what comes to mind? God's faithful love or steadfast love deals with the fact that God's love is unmovable, that God's love is faithful and true always. God's love is not like Yours and my love, our love is moody, our love is fickle, our love is based on how you treated me last, our love is based on how we feel in a certain particular situation, but thanks be to God that God's love is not like our love, because if God's love was like our love, none of us would be loved, amen? But God's love is immovable, it's, it's unmovable, it's faithful, it lasts forever. And that's what the psalmist is saying, he's saying that your steadfast love I will, uh, I will sing of your steadfast love forever. You have steadfast love. But get this, the psalmist not only talks about the steadfast love of God, but he responds to the steadfast love of God in two ways in this text. These aren't the only two ways that you would respond to the steadfast love of God, but nonetheless, these are two ways. And, and the first way that he responds in the text is he sings about God's faithfulness. He's singing about God's faithfulness. Look at verse 1, part A again. The psalmist says in verse 1, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. The psalmist, when the psalmist thinks about God's faithful love and how faithful God has been to him, he can't help but sing to God. He, he, it leads him to worship God through song. And, and my question is, when you think about God's faithful love to you in and out, does it lead you to sing? Do you come to church just to be entertained? by the band, or to be part of a worship service that is singing to God in his faithfulness. See, that's so important to think about because so many of them come to church and oh, I didn't like the song this week. They didn't say what I wanted. It wasn't my song. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. Listen, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about us coming together to lift our voices to a God who is faithful. And I know some of y'all are like, well, hold on, preacher. I can't sing. Well, I want you to know that the prerequisite for singing to God about his faithful love isn't that you're able to sing. As a matter of fact, I thank God it's not because I can't sing. Matter of fact, before the first service, I was telling the guy in the back, I'm like, hey, man, you got my microphone, right? Like, you got it turned off till I come up to preach because I don't want them to hear me singing because it might not be as joyful. But, but anyway, singing is not, uh, being able to sing is not a prerequisite. The prerequisite is that you have experienced the faithful love of God and that leads you to want to proclaim and sing about that love. And some people, it don't take all that, you know, that you just, some people just come to church, they just kind of stand there and look around and that kind of thing. Well, I don't really do that. I'm, I'm not emotional. I, I don't sing. But it's always so interesting to some of those same people when they go to a Pacers game or a Colts game, all of a sudden got a voice, don't they? Listen, brothers and sisters, we need to be those who proclaim and sing of the faithfulness of God. This morning, maybe you might be sitting next to a lost person that's come to church 
for the first time, or maybe has been coming and yet a Christian, can they see in you through your singing a joy in a faithful God? It's a question to ask ourselves this morning. If a, if a person walked in and saw us and was in the midst of us, would they be able to see people who are joyful about God, shown through the fact that we're willing to sing about God's faithfulness? But get this, not only does he say that he sings to God, and that actually means that we shouldn't be a spectator but a, a participant in corporate worship, but notice secondly, he also responds by sharing about God's faithfulness. Look at the text again in verse 1. He says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. When is the last time that you or I have talked to someone about our faithful God and his faithfulness? When is the last time that someone around you, maybe a coworker or a neighbor or a family member, knew that you actually believe that God is faithful? And brothers and sisters, I want you to know that as we share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus, in those moments we are proclaiming the faithfulness of God, that God is faithful even though we've sinned. And through Christ, we can be reconciled to God and know his faithfulness. That as we proclaim that message, we are letting people know that God is faithful. And you know, whenever you experience something really good, you want to tell people about it, don't you? I don't know, uh, maybe you went out and you go out and get a good meal. And you're like, man, I got to tell people about this place. You know, recently my wife and I celebrated 13 years of marriage and we had an opportunity to have a dinner that someone else paid for, which is always great, right? And we ate at uh, St. Elmo's downtown. Never been there before. And when I went in, they knew I hadn't been there before because I was asking how much everything cost. <laughs> so I'm in there. We eat, have an amazing meal at St. Elmo's. I'm like, man, that's a great meal. And it, and it costs you what to want to tell people about a great meal, right? Or maybe for you, it's like, man, I got this new gadget, I got this new phone or this new app, and man, it just revolutionized the way I do productivity or whatever it is, and you just want to share it. Or, or maybe it's that they got hamburger on sale for 99 cents a pound at Kroger, and you can't wait. Girl, did you know? Or brother, did you know you can get some burger on sale? Like, like whatever it is that we are excited about, we share about it with others. And the sad thing is, if I'm honest about myself, I find myself so many times sharing with people about things that ultimately won't matter for all of eternity. Things that I'm excited about in the moment, but ultimately are not that important. I, I could be quicker to talk about a Bible program or a place that I ate at than to tell people about God's faithfulness. And you know, I bet you if, if you're honest, I'm not alone in here, that we all see that in ourselves. That, that, that we find it easier to talk about things that we experience and we like in this world than it is to talk about the faithfulness of God. But you know, there's a cure for that, that we all need. And the cure is, is that we have to get to a place where we see God's faithful love in Christ as more beautiful than anything else that this world gives us. And as we do that and experience that afresh and anew and faithfully, it, it will hopefully by God's spirit lead us to share about that which is most important. How many lost people around you know how you feel about God and his faithfulness? Brothers and sisters, we need to sing and share about God's faithfulness. But notice, secondly, not only the response to God's faithfulness, but notice, secondly, the reason for God's faithfulness, the reason 
for God's faithfulness. Look at verse 3, the text. He says, you have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. Now, now, now the psalm says a royal psalm to my king and stuff. So, so this psalm is heavily drenched in what theologians call the Davidic covenant, which is basically a covenant that God made with David. You can read about that covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 7 and 1 Chronicles chapter 17. And, and so, and, and, a, and, a, and a covenant is basically, just for you guys that might not think about it, an agreement between two parties. Uh, this particular situation is between God and David. I want to read from 1 Chronicles 17, 11 through 14 and give a little a little, uh, a little bit more information about this covenant. Listen to what it says. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from him who was before you. But I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. And so, so this Davidic covenant is this covenant that he makes that you're going to have this person on the throne. I'm going to establish your throne. You're gonna, the next person is going to build a house for me. And, and, and so there's this Davidic covenant. Now, now, as we read this, though, as Christians, we know the fullness of the story, right? We, we, we have the New Testament. And so what somebody once said is that the New Testament turns the light on, on the Old Testament. That as you read the Old Testament, when you come to the New Testament, it actually turns the light on so that you can see the fullness of the picture. And so this covenant that God made with David, just like every other covenant, is a covenant that is looking forward to a future covenant where all covenants will be fulfilled. And that is what? The new covenant, right? When God sends Christ to die in the place of sinners and raise from the dead, that is the covenant that this covenant is pointing to. And that's why when you get to the New Testament, you hear a lot about the son of David because the right want you to know that this is the son who will ultimately fulfill that covenant, okay? And so for us, when we read this, we need to be able to say, God is faithful to me, not because of the Davidic covenant like they would have seen, but we got to say because of the new David, the better David, Jesus Christ and his covenant, amen? And so what that's saying to us is, is that God's faithfulness to you and me is not based on you and me. That God is not faithful to us because we've been so good and we've been so all that like many of us think that we are. No, no. God's faithfulness to us is connected to the faithfulness that he has to his son. Amen? The true son of David, the better son of David, who will sit on a throne that will never end. And that house that was built that, that we're talking about, that was looking forward to a house that's not built with hands. The new heaven and new earth filled with God's people. This God is faithful. And so as you look at your life, as you think about your life, you're like, well, I don't know how God can love me. I got this. I got that going on, man. I'm not this. You're right. God can't love you because of you. He looks at his son. And if you believed on his son, then God sees you as righteous, and therefore he's faithful to you even when you're not faithful. That's good news. Now, I'm not, now, now, watch this, though. I'm not teaching, like, you can just do whatever because God got a, God got a, uh, got a switch. Y'all, some of y'all know what a switch is. But, but a switch, when you go, go outside and pull the switch off and pull the limbs off, and he got a way that he can whoop you and me. <laughs> listen, listen, in this same Psalm, Psalm 30, 
30, uh, uh, in the same Psalm 89, verses 30 through 34, it says, if his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not remove from him, thanks be to God, my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Because of Jesus, uh, listen y'all, because of Jesus, God is for me and you and he will not forsake us because of his son. He might whoop us, he might ground us, but he will never throw us out. Man, that's good news. So, so, so that is a God, brothers and sisters, that is worth telling people about and one that's worth singing about, and one that's worth giving our whole lives to. If you're here and you're not a Christian, I want you to know this is a God that's worth trusting for the forgiveness of your sins and living for for the rest of your life. So God's faithfulness, first, uh, is the, um, the response. Secondly, the reason, but third, get this, the reward of God's faithfulness. The reward of God's faithfulness. Look at verse 4 in the text. He goes on, he says, I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Man, what beautiful language. He says, I'll establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Now remember, we're still talking about this Davidic covenant. And remember, as Christians, those who have the New Testament, which turns the light on for the Old Testament, we have to look at this covenant through Christ. And so the way that David, as he said, he's going to establish the offspring forever and build your throne for all generations, this is looking forward to God establishing the offspring who come through Christ. So, so a lot of us are worried about being established by the world. We're worried about our status at our job or in our neighborhood or our civic organization or what people think of us. Listen, I don't care who establishes me this side of heaven. At least that's how I should be. I struggle too, but I shouldn't care how, who establishes me this side because God promises to establish his offspring forever. Forever, that's eternity. That's, that's speaking of a day where God is going to bring us all to a new heaven and new earth where only righteousness will dwell and we will be established forever with Christ. That's our reward. Our reward for Christ's faithfulness is that we get Christ to be with him forever. Now, he goes on, but he not only talks about I'll establish your offspring forever, but notice what he says, I will build your throne for all generations. So, so this throne that, that was promised to David and his sons going forward is actually fulfilled in Jesus who will have a throne that will never end. It will never be, it's a throne that will last forever. And that's good news because the one who is faithful to us always sits on the only throne that ultimately matters. Some of us are worried and we see people that are on earthly thrones. Well, I want you to know the mayor of the city who we should be praying for can only be mayor for so many years. The senators can only be senators for so many years. The president can only be president for so many years. But Jesus sits on his throne forever. I don't care about earthly thrones. I don't care about world stones. I have a king in heaven that reigns and rules forever. 
And that's something that we should be excited about, that we, we should know that, that that's our God. And one day, we will be with Christ in heaven. But, but listen, it's interesting, though. In this psalm, the psalm takes an interesting turn when you get to verse 38, which I didn't read, but I want you to read in your own private time. And, and it moves from this God's faithfulness to actually lament. The psalmist moves and, and, and he says, even in the beginning, in verse 38, he says, but now you have cast off and rejected. You are full, hold on, but now you have cast off and rejected. You, you are full of wrath against your anointed. You have renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in dust. So, so, and it just keeps going. And so you read that and you're like, man, hold up a second, bro. Like, how do you start this off with all this God's faithful and God's steadfast love I'm going to sing about forever? And then we get to verse 38 and he's tripping. He's like, man, like, he's like, he's like, he's like, man, but God, where are you? I, 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 and, you know, we look at that and we could be like, Man, that's pretty perplexing, but I think we want to be careful that we're not so quick to judge the psalmist because in reality, each and, us, each and every one of us can face the exact same thing. We'll come to church, we'll sing about God's faithfulness, we, we, we believe in God's faithfulness, but then as soon as something goes wrong, where are you at, God? Now, now how, we, we've been singing, we've been praising, we've been talking about God and how good he is and how great he is, and God, where are you? Where are you in this? God, do you even care? Does, that, does what I'm dealing with even matter to you? Can you see yourself in that? I know I can. Can you see yourself in situations in life, maybe now, maybe in the past, or maybe you might go into where you're so, where, 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 where you're, you're, uh, you're quick to doubt if God is really going to be faithful to you in your particular situation? Am I the only one? I know the Sunday school answer is, no, nah, that ain't me. You know, I'm just favored and I love the Lord and I'm just all, wake up in the morning singing Amazing Grace and everything. Like, look, but in reality, if we're honest, there are days, more days than we probably are want to, more days than we probably want to uh, be honest about where we're wondering, God, where are you? Where are you, God? The psalmist moves this way in Psalm 89, or the psalm moves this way. And what I want to do as I get ready to end, I want to end with two points of application that I think are relevant to that very question. Where are you, God, when things are rough? I know you're faithful, but where are you? And the first one is, if God is faithful in saving us, we can trust him to be faithful in all areas of our lives. Listen, if God of heaven would reconcile wicked, sinful, evil people like you and me to him through his son, how much more will he deal with the smaller things of life? Now, when I say smaller, I'm not trying to minimize your pain in your situation. I'm just saying that in reality, they're small in comparison to what God has done for us in Christ. Amen? And, and, and we're, we're, you know, if God has saved me, how, how can I not Trust him in the midst of other situations. I love what Romans 8, 31 through 33 says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You might be in the midst of cancer right now. 
And cancer is such a horrible thing that we can't wait for the day when it's over and it won't be around anymore. But I want you to know that even in the midst of that, if you're in Christ, God has set his love on you and saved you, and he will be with you even in cancer. You might be here right now and have more months than money, lost your job, and, and I want you to know that if God has saved you, he will be with you in that even. God, God you, you might have lost your house. I, I don't know what it is that you are facing, but is there anybody here that's willing to say that I believe that God is faithful even in what I'm going through because of the faithfulness he's shown through his son? Brothers and sisters, if you're struggling with believing God is faithful to you, even in the midst of struggles that you have in life, what you might need to do and what you need to do, and what I, not what you might need to do, you need to do is go back and remember God's past faithfulness. And the most beautiful picture, as I just said, of God's past faithfulness is the cross, where God took his son and hung him high and stretched him wide and and he died for you and I, right? And, and he rose from the dead, forgiven us of our sins. And, and, and as we look back at that and praying, God, would you by the power of the Spirit allow that to affect my life in such a way that it caused me to trust you even now as I'm waiting till you return to be faithful even through what I face. And somebody's like, well, I can't see the cross. Well, I'm not saying physically see it. I'm saying we need to be able to cry out to God and ask God to open the eyes of our hearts in such a way that they see afresh and anew the cross of Jesus Christ. And through that, be strengthened to keep going, knowing that God is with us, because if God was with us in salvation, he's going to be with us all the way until he takes us home to where he will be with us forever in heaven. Amen? But not only do we need to, not only do we need to see that, but look second, notice secondly, God's faithfulness might not look like we expect. See, see, God, it's not that God wasn't being faithful to Israel in this text. It's that they weren't receiving the faithfulness the way they thought they should. And I think if we're honest a lot of times, we are, we're, we're struggling because God isn't being faithful the way that we think God should be faithful. Have you ever been in a situation where you got something and it just wasn't, it was good, but it wasn't what you wanted. I had a friend in high school uh, who got a car, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, he got a car, and, but it was interesting. His parents bought him a car, and they just kind of parked it at the house, but didn't tell him that it was his car. And they took him outside. <laughs> and they said to, if I remember this fully, it's been some years, but he, he came outside, and they, and they said, hey, would you drive that car? And he's like, I would never drive that car. <laughs> or something of that nature. They're like, well, that's your car. Maybe that's how you are with God. Maybe you are in a situation where God is showing faithfulness. God is giving you what you need, but it's not exactly what you want, and you're struggling to see God's faithfulness. Could it be, brothers and sisters, that we are missing rejoicing in the faithfulness of God because we're too busy looking for it to happen the way that we expect You might have cancer. That's a horrible thing, as we just said, but maybe you're like, oh, God, what's going on? Are you with me? And then, but you're not seeing the fact that God has brought people around you, your church family and, and people that are loving on you and praying for you and, and caring for you. And, you're, and we're so like, God, where are you? We're missing what God is actually doing. 
Maybe you're like, God, why you got me at this job? Man, every, every week, you know, I'm, I'm, my boss takes advantage of me. I, I don't, you know, I'm here. I don't like it. I don't like it. God, I've been praying for another job. I've been putting in applications. Why haven't you given me another job? And you're so busy worrying about that that you're not thinking about the fact that God is continuing to give you that job when other people are being laid off from their job so that you can actually continue to provide. And maybe you're here. Maybe, you're, maybe you've been laid off. And you're like, God, where's my next job? When is it coming? Like, what's going on? And, and you're so busy thinking about that that you're not seeing the fact that God hasn't let you die of hunger or thirst, even in the midst of you losing your job. Brothers and sisters, God is always faithful. It might not look like you want it to look or like I want it to look, but nonetheless, God is faithful. And you know, sometimes God's faithfulness, honestly, you don't see until you look back over the situation, right? There's sometimes when you look back over what God did when you were in a particular situation that you could actually see God's faithful hand. Have you, ever, have you been there? Well, you know, in some situations, we might not be able to actually look back over it and see it until we get to heaven. But are you okay with that? Are you willing to trust God even when you can't trace what God is doing in your life? Are you willing to believe that God is faithful even when he's not doing it your way or on your timetable? And I'm saying this to you as one who needs to hear the exact same thing. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get down. It's easy to wonder where God is. But, oh, brothers and sisters, if he did not spare his own son, how will he not also give us all things? And maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. And you're just thinking like, man, like, I don't, I don't get it. I, 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 I try everything I can do and I try to make everything happen that I can actually make happen. But man, I just, I just keep, being, I keep getting disappointed and disappointed and disappointed. Well, I want you to know as long as you are trusting in man, in the things of this world, in this system, you will continue to be disappointed. Because only God can be faithful ultimately to you in the way that you ultimately need. And his arms are open, and he wants you to come to him and to trust in his son who he's made a covenant with to make you his child and, then, and to walk with you and be with you. That's something maybe you need to think about. Maybe you're here, and you are a Christian. And you're like, man, I've just been more frustrated with, I've been really frustrated with God and where he is. What's he doing in the midst of what I'm dealing with? Can I suggest to you, as I already said, that maybe it takes some time to go back and remember what God has done for you in Christ? You know, like, man, I can't even think about that right now. I'm, I'm having struggle doing that. Can I suggest maybe you go to another brother or sister in our church and say, could you just proclaim to me afresh and anew what God has done to me in, for me in Christ? And ask them to pray that God would open your heart to believe that afresh and anew? God is faithful, brothers and sisters. We can trust him. We can bank on his promises. So as we close, let's rejoice and remember that God's faithfulness to us is based on the covenant that he's made with Christ, which is an eternal covenant and not on our performance. Let us keep our minds on heaven, which is what is our reward because of Christ's faithfulness, not our faithfulness. Let us remember that Jesus is on the throne no matter what earthly rulers lead and no matter what we face in this life.
And he acts faithfully towards us. And let's continue to sing. We're going to sing in a moment here. Let's sing loudly about God's faithfulness together. And let's share with those around us about God's faithfulness to us in Christ. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we love you and we thank you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, be with us, Lord God. God, we struggle at times to see your hand in things, God. We, we, we can't trace you at times, but God, teach us to trust you. God, teach us to know that you are for us, that you are faithful, and that you will always be with us. Help us to rejoice in your faithfulness. Share about your faithfulness. Remember that your faithfulness is ours because of the covenant with Christ, and to remember that there's a reward coming of, uh, in heaven of being with Jesus because of Jesus' faithfulness. Father, be with my brothers and sisters. Draw their hearts to you. I pray for anyone in here that's not yet a Christian, that you would open their heart to the truth of the gospel, that they would experience your faithfulness that would change their lives forever. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.